May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So last week, for anybody who was here, we did a pretty decently deep theological study of Scripture uh, and the prophets and, and the story of Jesus going off into exile as an infant, as a toddler, to be saved from Herod. And it was a lot of information, so it was about a 35 to 40 minute long sermon. And I told everybody uh, beforehand, it's going to be a long sermon, but bear with me, hopefully it will be okay. And if you can do that, then next week I'll keep it short. So today's supposed to be short, except I had so many people tell me how much they liked last week's sermon that I'm going to double it instead. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, today, I actually I don't have any like major deep theological or scriptural thing that I'm digging into in the sense of with, with the scriptures of the day. I'm not going to tell you about some Greek word and what it means or Hebrew uh, people or anything along those lines. Instead, I'm going to talk uh, about something I know a little bit about. And, and, and how in this tiny little thing, I can find the way God is working and how he wants us to do the same. The thing I am talking about are ants. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do was to play outside. Uh, I was always outside. When I was a guy, I'd be happy playing with friends. I'd be happy playing by myself. And one of the things I'd like to do, a lot of people like to lay on their back and look up at the clouds and imagine the galaxies and, and try to figure out what the shape of the clouds are. I like to lay on my stomach and look down into the grass and look really deeply into the grass and to kind of see the jungle that existed in my backyard to see all the little comings and goings of small creatures and, and the detail down there and just, and just wonder what it must be like to shrink down to that size. And then Disney came out with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I thought, yeah, that's perfect. And then even better, at Disney, they came out with a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playground that was everything like huge, giant grass leaf slides. And that was wonderful. And I loved going there to play there. Now they've come out with Star Wars The Galaxy's Edge. So that's like an older me playground. So I got to go check that out. But uh, I used to love just watching the ants. And I could do that. Okay, in my mind, I could do it for hours. But I have ADD. So it was probably like 22 seconds. <laughs> Honestly. My mom's like, you didn't sit still for one hour in your life. Um, but I, I, I loved watching them. And something I read this week and I found out and I just thought it was totally fascinating about ants is we already know that they're amazing builders. We already know that they did tunnels, that they create mounds, and that they're impossible to kill. Uh, we, we know that they are really quite impressive for being tiny little critters. But something I found out this week is that ants also have a system for taking out the trash that they have a place within their mouth that is kind of their dump. It is a place where they take all the refuge uh, that they no longer want. And part of that refuge that they take there are the bodies of dead ants. When an ant dies, other members of the colony will actually come and take that dead ant and relocate his body to wherever this refuge area of the mound is. And that's just amazing. So uh, several years ago, probably 60 years ago now, I don't know, some time ago, uh, our nation's probably leading authority on ants 
is a man named Dr. Edward Wilson, and he wanted to find out how is it that ants can tell when another ant is dead? Is it because it's not moving? Is it because it's not breathing? And what he found out is it's very similar to the way that we can walk by and know if something is dead. They smell it. They can smell the death of the ant. And the way they do this is ants have a chemical that they secrete all the time throughout their entire lives. They secrete it. It's an oleic acid. So it's not like an acid like in the movie Aliens. If you cut an ant's leg off, it doesn't spray on you and, you know, make it bad. It's just, it's almost more like a vegetable oil. But they have this uh, acid that they produce throughout their lives. And whenever they die, the smell of that acid is what draws the other ants to them. The other ants say, oh, they're getting stinky. Let's go put them in the refuge pile. Now, what did you think that if they make the smell their entire life, how is it that uh, they don't seem dead beforehand? It's because they also, while they're living, they secrete a hormone, a, a pheromone, that covers up the oleic acid smell. But when they die, they stop secreting that pheromone, and the only smell left is the acid. Really quite impressive. So uh, Dr. Wilson wanted to do some uh, experiments on this. And one of the things he did is he took uh, from an ant farm that he had, he took a perfectly healthy, fine ant. He timed them every morning. The ant got his 10,000 steps in. He was doing okay. And he got a little bit of oleic acid and put it on the ant. Still living, still kicking, still fine. Put the ant back into the colony. And you know what happened? Members of the colony picked him up and took him to the dumpster. They threw him away. They put him in the ant refuge pile with all the other dead ants. And what's interesting about that too is, is he kind of stayed there for a little while. Eventually he started to make his way back to the colony and they picked him up and threw him away again. Because they could smell it. So even if he was kicking. Now, uh, I thought that was quite interesting. And they ended up doing more experiments. And as they did more experiments, they realized something else. They realized that sometimes they would put the oleic acid onto an ant. That ant would smell it and take themselves to the dumpster. They'd throw themselves away. They'd put themselves in timeout. And they'd go hang out there until eventually the pheromones that they produced covered the smell. And then they would come back to the colony and be accepted and put in and fine. And I really just think, I mean, did you guys know this about ants? No. I mean, they're like the tiniest little things. But they're amazing in what they can do. It truly is unfathomable the detail of creation that God has given to us if we're willing to just lay on our stomach in the grass and stare. Actually, if you want to, we've got a whole bunch of ant piles in the backyard out there. We can go do it right now. Now, they're fire ant piles. So if people start shouting out, don't worry, it's just hallelujahs, they're praying in tongues, we're okay. It's nothing to do with the fire ants. Uh, but, but it's such a, a cool thing. And there are lessons that we can learn from them. And as we look at our scripture lessons today, they actually fit wonderfully with the ants. And here is why. In our New Testament lesson, uh, it's the book of Acts. And Peter is talking about how uh, he knows now, he, he sees now, that all people are able to come together. You see, the big political issue in the church at the time was, did Jesus come for Jews or did Jesus come for everybody? And if you came for Jews, then okay, we'll take the Gentiles, but you got to become Jewish first. You got to do the things we have to do. You have to give up bacon, and you have to be circumcised. 
So Peter goes to sleep pondering this question, and in his sleep he has a dream, and in the dream uh, the sky opens up and a sheet lowers down to him, and on this sheet is all sorts of delicious food. But it's all food that he's not allowed to eat, being a good Jewish person. And a voice tells him, Peter, do not take what I have made clean and call it unclean. And it happens three times. And Peter wakes up and he says, this is God telling me that Jesus did not come for the Jews. And he did. He didn't come only for the Jews. He came for everybody. He came for all things. He can make all things new. And don't you dare take his creation and say that he hasn't blessed it. And say that outside of snakes, they're bad. Um, that's, that's just my phobia. Don't, don't, don't take what he has made clean and say that's unclean. And we have a habit of doing that. We have a habit of somebody coming to us and for whatever reason, we just don't want to accept them. We don't like, I'm gonna, as an analogy, we don't like how they smell. They're covered in filth. They're covered in something that disgusts us. They are doing something they're not supposed to do or be. And they're coming to try to hang out in our colony. Oh, heck no. We are going to pick them up and throw them out. Because they don't fit with what we want them to fit with. I got to tell you something. Humans are covered in the stench of sin. It is part of who we are since Adam and Eve. We have sin as part of our nature. We all do. And it has this stench that it carries around us that that people pick up on and, and we don't always want to be around other people who have that stench of sin on their lives. And we need something that can clean it. We need something that can take that away. And the only thing that can do that is Christ. And we represent that through baptism. We represent that through being bathed in the waters, having the stench of sin washed away and coming out fresh and clean like Christ. So, when there are people out there who are in need, who are hurt, who are suffering, who have lived a sinful life, I want you to know something. Jesus came here for them. He didn't come here to save the perfect because there aren't any. He came to save the imperfect, and that is all of us. He came to wipe away the stench of sin so that we can belong in his colony, in his family. Now, the other lesson that I get from this, from these ants, is when the ants go and put themselves in timeout. Sometimes we chase away God's people because we don't like the smell. Sometimes they keep themselves away. There's an old, uh, old phrase that the doors to hell are locked from the inside. The doors to hell are locked from the inside. 
basically meaning we put ourselves in there. We have the ability to reach out to God. He will take us in if we let Him. But we don't let Him. And sometimes we don't let Him because we're just oblivious to it. By the way, never underestimate the power of denial. But sometimes we don't reach out to Him because we just don't think we're worthy. Now, not all of you are going to feel that way. So I want you to hear this. I might not be preaching to you right now, but I guarantee you, somebody in this room at some point in time in their life did not feel worthy of the love of God. They did not feel worthy of the love of their friend, of their neighbor, of their wife, of their husband, of their brother, of their sister. They did not feel worthy of the love of their parents. And they put themselves in the dumpster, in the trash. They said, I don't even deserve this. I can't. I can't. I can't take this. I'm not good enough. John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, I can't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no. This is the way it is. You let me serve you. And I need you to baptize me. And John consented and did it. Knowing he wasn't worthy, he still stood and followed what his Savior was telling him to do. When Jesus heals people, he tells them to stand. Imagine if there was a paralytic on the floor, on the ground, and Jesus walked by and said, Bam, you're healed! But then that person chooses to stay on the floor anyway. They never actually stand up. Jesus says, stand, rise, join me, be with me, be a part of this. Do not lock yourself away because you don't feel good enough because here's the deal, you are. I love you enough. I will cleanse you of that stench that's holding you back, that you're so afraid to let out. We have to forgive each other. We absolutely have to forgive each other. But we also have to learn to forgive ourselves. And sometimes that can be a lot harder. In our opening hymn this morning, in verse 4 it says this, To heal the sick, stretch out thine hand, and bid the fallen sinner Stand. Let him love you. Let him cleanse you. Let him welcome you into his home, his family, his colony. And if you are a person who has never felt that before, that's okay. Not everybody has, but here's what you get to do. You've got to pray for the people who have. Because that's a hard place to be. I, uh, when I was a youth leader, I was often amazed by the, the kids and the teenagers I worked with. Sometimes they, they say the most profound things in a way that is just 
so unexpected. And, uh, and a lot of times they, they touch you, they move your heart. And I remember one time, uh, there, there was a kid in my group who his family did well for themselves. They, they had a good amount of, of financial freedom in their lives. Uh, so much so that when I went to visit him at his house one time, I was shocked and amazed because, honest to God, you could basically put the house I grew up in in his entranceway, like in his grand room when you walked in the house. This house was massive, and it was beautiful. And you kind of expect a kid growing up like that to have a certain air about him. But we went to some... Uh, conference up in North Carolina in the middle of nowhere and at this conference a man got up front and he preached for 45 minutes to a bunch of teenagers and they listened he was good and at the end of it he said if you need prayer you come up here and we are going to pray for you and I looked at this boy in my group we'll call him Noah I looked at Noah and I said Noah he, tears going down his face Noah do you need to go get some prayer and you know what he said he said no I can't I've got so much in my life. I have so many blessings in my life compared to so many who don't. I don't deserve prayer too. Oh. Noah's my new favorite kid. That honesty, that truth, that keeping himself from the love of God for whatever reason. Do not, do not, do not do that. Don't. There's no need. Because at the end of our gospel lesson today. Jesus comes out of the water. The sky opens up. The dove descends. And a voice from heaven says this. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And we are the children of God too. We stand with Jesus. And Jesus says, these people, they're with me. And the Father adopts us into His family too. So let us take a few moments and let's pray. Let's pray for the people in this world who do not think they deserve the love of God. Who do not think they deserve forgiveness. Who do not think they deserve to be a part of something, a part of a community, a part of a family. Let's take just a few minutes and let's pray for them that they will see the light and the love and the spirit and the dove descend upon them. Let us pray. Father, for the blessings of this world, big and small, for the outstretches of the galaxy and for com the complexities of a pile and hill of ants, we give you thanks. Lord, for those who are out there who know your love, we give you thanks. But for those who are afraid to accept it, for those who do not feel worthy of it. Lord, help them to stand. Heal them and raise them up. Let them know they are your child, that you love them, they are yours, they are beloved, and with them, when they look up to you, you are well pleased. We ask that you help everyone who would lock themselves away from your love to find the strength to stand. And Lord, if you would only but give us the strength to help lift them up to you. In your name we pray. Amen.